the Farm Bill, progress on current agreements, campaign promises. There's a lot going on in the world of trade. Brian Keel, Executive Director of Farmers for Free Trade, joins us this week to talk about all of those things and more. I'm Sabrina Halverson. Here's this week's Agnet Weekly. So I had a couple of things I wanted to talk about today, starting off with the Farm Bill. We talked a few months back about the Farm Bill and what you're hoping to see for trade in the Farm Bill. And uh, September is upon us now. I don't know how much closer we are to actually having a Farm Bill now than we were when we talked back in, I don't know, February or so. Um, but have you seen any type of progress on the trade front for, for trade in the Farm Bill? Well, so the, the big issue in the Farm Bill on trade is uh, are the market uh, facilitation and market promotion programs called MAP and FMD. And every year uh, in the past Farm Bill, in the 2018 Farm Bill, uh, Congress uh, lays out about $200 million in MAP funding and, and another chunk in FMD. Uh, and that's for promotion of U.S. ag, food and ag products overseas, uh, non-branded products primarily. So, you know, trying to encourage people to buy U.S. soybeans or corn or wheat. Um, the the goal of the, the ag community in the United States for the 2023 Farm Bill is to try to see those numbers doubled. So instead of $200 million a year for market promotion, we'd like to see $400 million. Um, I think there's some skepticism that Congress will go that far, uh, just because the farm bill dollars are always tight, and you know, can you can you plus it up that much? But that's certainly the goal, and there have been bills introduced in both the House and Senate to try to accomplish that, to double that that market promotion funding. Um, I do think we've made progress. I you know, as I talk to members on the Hill about the farm bill, pretty quickly people mention MAP and FMD as a priority. Um, so I don't, I don't think that means we'll get a doubling, but I do, I, my, my gut tells me we'll see those numbers bumped up some. Um, and that would be good, I think, anytime we can increase uh, promotion of U.S. food and ag products and expand overseas markets, that's a good thing. So let's talk a little bit more about that because, of course, you know, those of us in the industry really see the benefits to these programs. But maybe for our listeners who aren't necessarily as involved, can you explain why you think it's important to go that far in doubling funding? Well, sure. I mean, uh, you know, the, the way I like to think about trade and food and agriculture, it's, it's pretty simple when you realize 90 percent of the world's consumers live outside the U.S., so there, there's no scenario where U.S. food and ag survives just by selling to U.S. citizens. Uh, you know, the, 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 the markets, there's just too many people that we need to reach outside our borders. So the question is, how do we reach them? How do we sell? How do we continue to export? You know, 20 percent of farm revenue in the U.S. is from exports. And for some industries or some market sectors in some states, it's, it's much, much higher than 20 percent. Um, so again, we're, we're dependent on exports. We want to export. That's how we have a strong food and ag sector. And there's, there's a limited number of tools in the toolbox. I mean, one is certainly trade and trade agreements. And we encourage the Biden administration, just like we encourage the Trump administration, to, um, to try to open new markets. That's part of what the, the White House always should be working on is, is trying to get deals with countries that they will buy our food and ag products because expanding markets uh, expands our opportunities to sell food and ag products. But once you've cracked open a market, once you have a free trade agreement, you still have to do the work of convincing the companies or the buyers in that country to buy your products. 
And, you know, a lot of times other countries have been there first, you know, maybe with soybeans, it's Brazil is already selling soybeans to a country or uh, with uh, beef, maybe it's Australia is already selling beef into a country into, let's say, Vietnam. So even if we even if we manage to get tariffs lowered and can get our, our products going into, let's again, say, Vietnam on an equal footing, we still have work to do to try to convince the Vietnamese to buy our beef, uh, even if it's being sold on an equal footing with Australia, especially if, if that other country was there first. So that's why MAP and FMD are so important, because they're they're the promotion dollars that allow us to go in and run ad campaigns and host trade missions and do all the work necessary to convince people to buy our products. And then the next thing that I wanted to talk to you about was new markets, actually, and you kind of let us right into there, um, you know, moving outside of the farm bill. Uh, the last time that we talked, we did talk about a need for more trade agreements with more places. Have you seen any any work on that this year, do you think? Um, you know, around the edges. Uh, we'll, give, we'll give the Biden administration credit for rolling back tariffs on India. Um, so under the Trump administration, President Trump had put what are called 232 tariffs on India. That was on steel and aluminum. And India responded by retaliating against a bunch of our food and ag products that were going to India. Um, fortunately, the Biden administration rolled back those tariffs in an agreement with India, and India agreed to roll back their tariffs on our food and ag products. So we've we've been able to start exporting again and, and on a competitive basis. So so that's a place where you know it's not necessarily a new market, but maybe a reclaimed market. Um, beyond that, I think there's a lot of work to do, and we'd really like to see the Biden administration be more aggressive. Um, certainly, Southeast Asia is a place where we'd like to see uh, U.S. food and ag products getting in and and, and increasing markets. Uh, same with Africa, South America. Uh, you know, there's there's countries all over the world where we don't have free trade agreements. And the scary thing is, China is out negotiating free trade agreements. The EU is out negotiating free trade agreements. Australia is. The U.S. is, for the most part, standing on the sidelines when it comes to free trade agreements. And and we really need to pick up our our pace and 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 work work harder. And when we look at like you said, the the competition from other countries that are out there actively seeking these trade agreements, um, where does that leave us? Well, we're we're falling behind. I mean, a couple decades ago, the U.S. was the largest trader in the world, and it kind of makes sense. We're the most, you know, the the, the biggest economy. Uh, we can afford to buy the most products from overseas. We can afford to uh, create products here, food and ag products, and others, and and export manufactured products. So it makes sense that the world's biggest economy would be the world's largest trader. Um, today, we're number three. Uh, we've fallen behind uh, China and we've fallen behind the EU as countries that are doing more trade than us. And and that has pretty big implications for, um, for our economy, uh, for our farmers and ranchers, and frankly, for our standing in the world. Um, you know, trade on one level is about selling and buying products. But on another level, it's about influence. It's about uh, the influence that you exert over another country. If they're buying your food and ag, they're less likely to want to go to war with you because they're buying your food and ag products. Um, if you're engaged, let's again take Vietnam as an example. If the U.S. is in trade with Vietnam, Vietnam's less likely to orient toward China because they're getting what they need from us and they're buying products from us. So it's it's not a good thing when the U.S. falls behind, and I, I think we should work to reestablish our leadership in international trade. 
So my next question is uh, very open-ended, and that, that is really what's on your mind right now as far as key issues for trade? Uh, well, a couple things. Um, you know, number one, uh, we want to see um, all of the presidential candidates in this election cycle um, understand the importance of trade. So Farmers for Free Trade recently wrote a sign-on letter signed by 30 ag associations, so soybeans, corn, pork, dairy, you go down the list, um, all signed on to a, a common statement to all the presidential candidates, both Democrats and Republicans, saying, saying, look, trade is critically important for food and ag. The U.S. is falling behind. You need to understand the importance of this issue to rural America. And, and we ask that all presidential candidates focus on international trade and tell us how they're going to open new markets. That, that's really important. Um, Second, the Biden administration has been working on what they call the uh, Indo-Pacific Economic Framework. Um, and again, we'll give them credit. They've, they've been working with other countries uh, to develop a common economic approach to, to key topics such as corruption, um, uh, taxation. And some of those issues do address trade. So they focus on non-tariff barriers to trade. So, you know, is a country keeping our products out because of health standards that are not appropriate, et cetera. Um, so we like that the Biden administration has been working on this Indo-Pacific economic framework that, that can help our standing with countries like India and Indonesia, and Indonesia and Vietnam. But it doesn't include tariff negotiations. And we need to, everyone needs to understand tariffs are taxes. It's a tax a country puts on a product when it comes in. So if a another country puts a tariff on our products, it makes our product more expensive in that country. Same thing, if we put tariffs on products coming into the U.S., it makes those products more expensive, so consumer goods, for example. So we would like to see tariffs reduced generally. Uh, we think government should get out of the way and let business trade. And if, if government gets out of the way, the market is going to work most efficiently. So that's that's what we push for. And I, I want to go back to the topic of the presidential candidates just really quickly, and I, and I don't need you to name you know any names. I don't expect you to come out and endorse anybody. But have you so far in the you know early campaigning heard any bits of what you'd want to hear about trade? Yeah, around the edges. I mean, it's it's sort of a mixed bag. You know, we're really concerned about, and I you know we'll call this one out because it was so high profile. President Trump uh, a week ago or two weeks ago said. If elected, he wants to put a 10% tariff on all products coming into the United States. He said he wanted to create a ring around the U.S. economy. Yeah, I think most economists look at that and just shudder. Uh, it's a really bad idea. Um, it's a bad idea because it'll cause inflation on products coming into the U.S. So if you go to a store and you want to buy a toothbrush and it's 10% more expensive or you want to buy um, you know, name your shirt and it's 10% more expensive, you're going to notice that. But also, if we start putting 10% tariffs on other countries sending their products to us, they're going to start putting tariffs on our products, which usually falls on the shoulder of the farmers. We've seen that time and time again. So suddenly we'll be shut out of markets, and Australia and Brazil and other countries are going to have a competitive advantage. So that type of talk is really unsettling to us. We think, we think candidates need to understand that tariffs are taxes, and taxes are bad. Um, beyond that, we have seen some hints from some of the candidates that they understand specifically the importance of, of export markets for food and ag. And we've also seen, I think, increasingly candidates understand that, look, if you want to be tough on China, the best thing you can do to be tough on China is negotiate trade agreements with countries that China would like to sell to. 
it's it's an economic advantage and and if we take ourselves out of the game and just let china become the dominant economic force that's not being tough on china so part of a china strategy needs to include us selling products to other countries in southeast asia and around the world where china's trying to sell products we need to win that race and i did i i had questions about uh, Trump's statements, but I didn't want to, you know, I I didn't mention it to you beforehand, and I didn't want to just surprise you with questions about it. But that's okay. Um, what you said about the, you know, the ten percent tariff, that that could have a lot of consequences for U.S. citizens, not just for our trading partners. And you brought some up, like raising prices and things. Do you think that our citizens would see, you know, would we see a lot of effects from that? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think the two two sides of the coin, and they're both bad, is inflation in the U.S. I mean, we already have moderate inflation that we're trying to fight. But, um, but if you put a 10% tax on everything coming into the U.S., any product manufactured in another country becomes, in essence, 10% more expensive. Now, maybe it's not actually 10%. Maybe the seller eats a little bit of that cost. So let's say it's 5% more expensive or 6% more expensive. It's still inflation. You're still going to be paying more for goods that are coming from other countries. That's the whole point of tariffs. And we know from past experience, countries don't just sit there and say, okay, tax our products. Countries say, you're going to tax our products, we're going to tax your products. And what they typically tax is food and ag. And part of the reason they tax food and ag is because that's what we're exporting. You know, that's that's one of our biggest export sectors is food and ag. So when a country looks to retaliate, we're a pretty easy target. And and that suddenly means that our products are, again, 10% more expensive or 8% more expensive. Um, and when you're trying to sell, you know, go back to this Vietnam beef example, if a U.S. cattle producer is trying to sell beef into Vietnam and their beef is uh, at a base of 8 or 10% more expensive than the same cut of beef coming from Australia, you know, the market is going to dictate that Vietnam will buy Australian beef and not U.S. beef. So we suddenly are selling at a disadvantage. We have to sell at a lower price in order to get into that market, which means we make less money. So, I mean, tariffs are terrible, and, and it's, it's really – people need to understand governments don't trade. Businesses and people trade. And governments, what they do is they get in the way. They, they put taxes on things and muck up markets. And – Really, the most efficient system is one where we just let people do the trading. Um, then the products get to where they need to go. People can sell at the right price. Um, government should not be in the way of trading. Anything else that you think that our listeners should know about anything that's currently going on in trade? Well, we're, Farmers for Free Trade is getting ready to launch a national petition um, that will go both to Congress and to the president asking them to focus on opening new markets for food and ag products. And uh, our goal is going to be to get 10,000 farmers to sign that petition. Uh, we're going to be launching that here in the next week. And uh, you'll be able to find that petition on the websites of the major commodity groups. You'll be able to find it at the state fairs and uh, ag uh, shows. So if you see that petition, uh, we encourage you to sign it. And, uh, and lend your voice to, to the call for opening new markets for food and ag products. Thank you once again to Brian Keel for the conversation. That is this week's Agnet Weekly. I'm Sabrina Halverson. Thanks for tuning in.